This episode of the Doing It For The Kids podcast is supported by AXA Business Insurance. Because let's face it, running a business is hard. Doing it around kids, even harder. So hurrah for AXA making something easy. You can tailor your policy to fit your business, so you only pay for what you actually need. They'll also give you access to a very useful helpline for any legal and tax questions you might have. Probably not so useful when trying to negotiate a small person to eat broccoli. Look, even Frankie got covered a few years ago, right? Yes. When I finally got it sorted, I genuinely slept better at night, which is saying a lot because I had a newborn baby at the time. Protect your work, your tools, your reputation, let's face it, your livelihood, and sort it as easily as your kids spilling peas on the floor. Again, work hard, insure easy. Search AXA Business Insurance. And here's the growing up bit. AXA Insurance UK PLC is authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority, regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority. That's a lot of authority. That is more authority than I've got over my two kids. Right, I have the document. Fabulous. Ding, 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 ding. Good use of the Invincibility Mario Kart noise <laughs> there. Well done. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yahoo! I'm a warrior. I'm a gonna win. <laughs> Hello, you're listening to the Doing It For The Kids podcast, where we swear a bit too much and talk a bit too fast about freelance life with kids in the mix. I'm Frankie and this is Steve. Hello! Yes, each episode we take a question from the Doing It For The Kids community, do our best to answer it. But we start each episode by looking back at the last one, last time we were talking about... Charlene had a great question about prioritising when everything is a priority. Richard Burt's got in touch. First thing to say is that even among our priority list, we will never get everything done. Never. But accepting that as best we can, and I appreciate that might not help in the heat of the moment, the way I handle this is to take a step back and work out how to allocate time to make sure all the things get done, or at least as much as one can do in a week. On my calendar, I have time set aside for client work, non-negotiable, must be done, but then I also set aside equally protected time for all the other stuff too. Some time every week to do my newsletter, update socials, admin bits and bobs. Some time every month for invoices and bookkeeping and so on. It's not a perfect system by any stretch, but I guess having these slots already booked in my calendar means that almost everything gets done when it needs to be and it doesn't feel too much like there's lots of competing priorities. When that all fails, and to be frank it does often, for me client work gets done first, then finding new work, then everything else. But your personal fallback priority list may differ. Hope that vaguely helps. Amazing comment from Richard. Rachel Brownlow says, I have a few thoughts with my programme management hat on, both for long-term and short-term prioritising. First, in the short term, I find it's useful to ask the question, what will happen if I don't do this today or this week? Depending on the severity of the impact, you can work out what to work on first. Brilliant. In the long term, I'd advocate for having some kind of long-term project plan in place that works alongside your everyday task list. This will help you see forward to your big goals, work backwards to plan your timelines and therefore know what you need to work on week by week. I'd recommend including the big key milestones and the date you'd like it completed. For example, redecoration of the stairs to be completed by 30th of March. Then you have the main deliverables that will help you achieve that milestone, e.g. strip the paint from the banisters by the 31st of January, sand and prep by the 28th of February, paint by the 30th of March. Your to-do list then needs to be the individual tasks that help you complete those deliverables, E.g. for January, you need to go to B&Q to pick up supplies, clear prep the stairs, strip the paint, tidy up, etc. I could go on all day about planning and tracking timelines. By the way, I noticed on Charlene's Instagram, she has now stripped the paint on the banisters. Ah. 
<laughs> so clearly that's a Progress. priority of some sort. <laughs> Tilly Kyle got in touch. Tilly said, we need to talk about Reclaim.ai. It has literally changed my life. It's free and it's so fucking intelligent. You can open your schedule and then add tasks with the time it will take and it'll prioritise it and then arranges it onto your schedule automatically. There was caps lock. Life-changing, I tell you. Life-changing. Four exclamation marks. Life-changing! That's probably how that was meant to be said. Anyway, how the heck are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I've been doing some life admin. I opened a new current account, you know, personal account, with a different bank recently. Anyway, I got an error code in the app and it's really annoying. The only way I can fix this error code in the app is to phone them up. Speak to a person? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God. Not only that, but I phoned them and it was like, we are experiencing high volumes of calls. You will be on hold for <sighs> 30 to 60 minutes or something. And I was like, Do you know what? My kids are after school club today. I've got all the time in the world. And I've got these Bluetooth headphones. So I just thought I put those on kind of low volume. So I can, yeah. I'm aware that the hold music is dinging along and I can just get work done while I wait sure so I'm doing that for about yeah 35 minutes still no joy and then I needed a wee oh (laughs) and I thought hmm you know I don't want to miss the golden opportunity by going to the toilet I've been on hold (laughs) for long enough to not miss them picking up the phone so I went to the loo I consciously left my phone in the other room because I thought I can hear the hold music on my headphones but I'll leave my phone in the other room so then if they pick up they won't hear me sitting on the toilet doing a massive wee <laughs> that was my logic until i until i sat down on the toilet and started doing the massive wee i thought you were going to say that it turned out i needed something else <laughs> no, no 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 it was you know how sometimes you sit down and you think oh <laughs> oh this has been upgraded no um <laughs> but in my head the way they would communicate with me is through the phone which I'd left in the other room but I could still hear the chat but when I it was only when I sat down to commence the weeing that I realised that there's a microphone in my Bluetooth in my Bluetooth headphones and what happened? I mean you can guess what happened so they answer I couldn't even mute it because my phone (laughs) I left it in the other room what an idiot so that meant you then had the dilemma, do I flush? Do I wash my hands? Because then it blatantly sounds... Do I do the whole conversation sitting on the loo so it sounds like the room is always echoey, and but I haven't moved from one room to another? Do I blame my child? Do you do that? Like, I always <laughs> blame my child for anything oh, like yeah, toilet that's a good related. Point. Sorry, I'm just in the... <laughs> yeah. When my kids were smaller <laughs> and I had less control over my pelvic floor, <laughs> basically... If I farted, I would always blame my baby. <laughs> I can't get away with that anymore. It's quite. It's no, quite you're going to have to get a dog. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, we've got a question from Jason Hunt, who is a designer at SeeThinkDo, seethinkdo.co.uk. Jason says, I occasionally get the urge to approach a company who I think are doing their brand absolutely no favours and underselling what I know to be brilliant. I'm a designer, so approach this from a branding and design perspective, though of course their copy might also be shit. This has never worked and I rarely even entertain it these days. But I have a company that I am dying to approach as they are brilliant at what they do, have a great and friendly reputation and would even probably have money to spend on all these things. 
I just can't fathom out for the life of me why they haven't upped their game. Has anyone ever done this, brackets, successfully? And do you have any tips on how to write the initial approach to not sound like just a mansplaining twat? (laughs) Yours, Jason. It's a great question. Have you ever done this, Steve? Done a, like, cold... Cold emails? Yes, I have. My Mm -hmm. biggest client who I have worked with for, like, nine years. Oh, really? You just approached them? Came from a cold email, yeah. Good for you. And what did you say? I love what they're doing. You're just down the road from me. I walk past your offices all the time. So clearly I could bring in some cakes. But have you considered using videos? Blah, 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 blah. But, and and this is key, you you need someone who wants to hear that message. Mm. Fortunately for me, the marketing person at the time... Was open to this. Yeah, they were past the email and they were like, oh, yeah, why not? So it did work. But, you know, crucially, I wasn't picking apart their company, was I? I was bigging it up. Does he say picking apart? I mean, he's saying he wants them to... He can see that they can be great or better. But if somebody sends you an email and says, hey, I really like what you do, right, that's good. Mm -hmm. But have you thought about doing X, Y and Z to your website? You're going to go, oh, piss off. (laughs) I would have already deleted it. It's true. I think maybe, Jason, it's better to think, how can it become not a cold approach? How can I warm myself to them yes when i think about this in day-to-day life say some random bloke comes up to me in the street and is like you look like a nice person but i think you could be better (laughs) if i help you with you know your posture or whatever it is i would be like please fuck off right (laughs) isn't it funny though whenever somebody mentions posture you sit up straight you said that word and i'm like (laughs) yes so true i can't help but do it (laughs) but if a friend Mm. that i know really well said, do you know what, Frankie, I think you could be a better person by being less of a dick by doing the X, Y and Z. <laughs> Actually, I'm much more open to that concept and for them to help me to see how I can be a better person. Oh, in that case, I've meant to say this to you for ages. Frankie. <laughs> so what, I've, what I concluded from like, you know, thinking through that real world example in my head was how can you make that potential client, maybe not a friend, but at least an acquaintance. Yeah. Before you start going, yeah, maybe you could be doing things a bit better and I can help you to do that. So like you say, warming them up. Okay, so so how can, how can we sneakily become their friend? I'm here for these tips in normal life as well. Please continue. You can go on to LinkedIn and find out who works at that company because it will show you the list of employees. Mm-hmm. Maybe start connecting with them or following them so that you are on their professional radar that if you suddenly happen to and don't go creepy weird with it i'm sure you won't jason but you just need to gradually become known to them i think i actually think linkedin is brilliant for that because even if you don't connect with them they'll get a notification that you're following them that immediately is like oh who is this person yeah (laughs) even if they don't then choose to connect with you and yeah if you're in a similar sphere Say you work with a lot of people in a similar industry, you're bound to be connected, you know, at least by one or two people in your network. And so if you start commenting on those people, if you can see that you have mutual connections and you're commenting on those people's stuff, like you're just going to become a name that keeps popping up in their world without them necessarily noticing. But when you do finally come in for the like, hey, (laughs) you're not a total 
stranger, even if they don't know it yet. That's yeah. kind of weird, isn't it? God, it all just sounds so weird. But the fact is, this shit works. Yes. And of course, if you are creating content... Now, I'm going to... like Let's pick an example from the Doing It for the Kids community. Like mm-hmm. Tom Garfield, absolutely smashing it on LinkedIn yes. by writing stuff which is helpful and shows what he knows. So if I'm now connected to him and I keep seeing that stuff... I might start thinking, oh, actually, our website isn't getting enough, enough mm-hmm. leads and all of these sort of... Yeah, mm-hmm. so it starts to trickle in. So that mm-hmm. maybe further down the line, when you send that email or you've made that connection or... Yeah, it, I mean, it just sounds so conniving. <laughs> but I feel like it's a longer game than sending that that email. Yeah, I think the cynical in me is like, it sounds a bit gross. But actually, it's just building a human relationship yes. with, with somebody. <laughs> We have to earn trust, earn time with people if you're in that person's sphere. And maybe you will start chatting just naturally in DMs or on other people's posts. And then that will be like, oh, this is my in. Now I can email this person direct. It doesn't have to be gross. Social networks are social, right? So talk to people, (laughs) interact with people, even if your intention is to ultimately work with them. So we've talked about making them warm. Mm. Sounds so grim. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I think the alternative is you go in, but you go in like hard. So (laughs) when I did my graphic design course, there was a lot of talk about how to get seen. And one of the things that came up a lot was approaching agencies, but being absolutely ballsy with it and often designing like a physical thing that you would send to people. So rather than just an email, that's probably, as you said earlier, once they get to line two is going to be deleted, might even piss them off, which is the opposite of what you're trying to achieve. Maybe there's something else you could do that's more creative that you could design, that you could physically produce by print and send to that person. That's funny. That's memorable. Again, they might think you're a dick (laughs) and they might not want to hire you, but I feel like the reception is going to be warmer already by the pure effort and sense of humour and whatever it is that's gone into it, yeah. that at least they're going to remember you. Emails are so far away and so easy to do and so easy to ignore. Give them something that's harder to ignore, even if it annoys them still. <laughs> <laughs> Funnily enough, I sent a cold email just last week to a podcast production company. Mm-hmm. Something I did was I decided I would keep that email really short because I don't want to waste their time. If it's too long, they're probably never even going to Mm -hmm. read it. I made the subject heading kind of like a clever twist on one of their most popular podcasts' titles. Done your research. This was clearly just made for them. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a blanket email. I then went in first line praising them, then quickly said what I'd done, who for. And then I screenshotted a LinkedIn referral Mm -hmm. from a well-respected producer in the industry who's worked with me, Put that in. Nice. Social proof. Another tailored, <laughs> customizable, fun sort of line at the end. Mm-hmm. Anyway, guy got back to me by the end of that same day. Same day. There you go. So, yeah. Anyway, flatter them. Mm. Customize it so that it's obvious that you actually do care about their company. We've all had those emails, haven't we, where people clearly haven't, they don't know who we are. It's true. If Jason's looking for a list of things to do, Attention to detail is definitely one of them. Mm. Personally, I know I'm a big fan of this, clearly, but I think a sense of humour is really important. Like, coming across as a human, 
because I get some emails where I'm like, did a human even write this? It just feels so automated and impersonal. What about things like video? What do you think about that? Because, you know, Ooh. a lot of people... I'm just thinking if somebody sent me like a Loom video, it was like, I've been on your website (laughs) and you could be doing X, Y and Z. I think I would still ultimately delete it. But the effort. Yes. I would have gone, wow, they've actually gone through my site personally, recorded a video, sent it to me. I don't know. I mean, for every cold email like I sent, right, I might have sent 20 and one Mm -hmm. might have replied at all. I think if you're ever going to do this approach, then you need to be ready for rejection. In fact, not just rejection, just silence. One of the things I was going to suggest, and I still wouldn't do this cold, I would try and warm the bed before you jump in it. (laughs) Can you offer a service which is essentially like an an audit? So you make a load of marketing suggestions or website Mm -hmm. suggestions and so on. Like take something that they do and then say, this is brilliant. You could do this bit better. Have you tried this tool? Again, this was something I tried really early on. Yes, having that sort of um, first tier service. The intention is then they go on and say, oh, yes, can you help us fix those things? But the thing is, of course, you need the person running this company, Jason, to recognise the flaws in their stuff already. They then might have done. But equally, they might think it's fine. So it's by by putting out that content on LinkedIn or on your website, combination of the two, drip, 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 make them think about their business differently. That's a really good point. This sounds really cynical and dirty. Brilliant. Let's have it. (laughs) But if you are connected with them or something on LinkedIn, even if you're not, even if you just can see any public posts or on Twitter or wherever else, you can see what these people are saying. This won't happen in most cases because people aren't public about this stuff. But some people build in public and are open about their business and the challenges and whatever. If they are sharing information about their challenges, their plans for the year or like any kind of information where you can go, oh, hang on, I see their intention to do X, Y and Z and I can help them do those things. Then when you email or you get in contact, you don't even have to outline those issues because you know they're already thinking about them. You just have to offer the solution to those issues. I mean, that surely is the money, (laughs) the money spinner. No, money winner. Mm. The money shot. Money shot. That's what I'm thinking of. Thank you. Are you really thinking of that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, if you've got a suggestion, a comment, a story, you know what to do. Wherever Frankie's posted about this, be it Instagram, Twitter, and of course, in the Doing It For The Kids community. What do you mean you're not in it? Come and join a lovely bunch of self-employed parents go to doingitforthekids.net leave your comments there we could be reading them out next time around I'm interested to hear comments on this one because I feel like I don't know I feel like there'll probably be more stories like you where it really has worked mm. and do you cover any cold calling emailing in your course Steve? actually yes yes so I have a course for new freelancers if you're in your first year of freelancing or you're thinking of going freelance um, check it out beingfreelance.com click on course we look at all the different ways to find clients but one of those things I call knocking on doors and that could be mm-hmm. literally knocking on doors or E knocking on doors and different ways to do it because it can work amazing I didn't think you were going to say it was in there but it was because everything's in there <laughs> it's got it covered <laughs> Good. The end. Finito. This morning, taking our daughter to school, I just couldn't find my hat.
and it's like minus four. I'm like, where is my hat? I can't find my hat. Oh my God, I love my hat. It's like our positions in the family have changed. She's nine. She's going, where do you keep it? <laughs> where did you last have it, I'm Steve? I'm going, I always keep it in my pocket. It's not in my pocket. Where's my hat? I love that hat. <laughs> have you looked where we keep the hats? No, I don't put it there. She went, no, of course. I mean, why would you put the hat where everybody keeps the hats? <laughs> Is it in your bag? Let me check your bag for you. And I went, it's not going to be in my bag. Where's my hat? She went, well, you just have to go without it. Maybe that will make you think about where you keep your hat. Come on or we'll be late. All right. So we left. And the whole way I'm going, my head's cold. My ears are cold. Where is my hat? I love my hat. Oh, I can't believe I've lost that hat. I really like that hat. Half an hour walk, nearly at the school, still moaning about how cold my head is. And she went, why don't you just put your hood up? And I went, fine, I will put my hood up this woolly hat was in the hood (laughs) fell down in front of my face into my hands like some sort of woolly hat vending machine (laughs) 